What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer-A-Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer-A-Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Hi folks, welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. Here today with an interesting topic, another young, uh, budding football analyst joining the show from PFF, another of their interns, Haley English. Haley, how are you doing? Good. How are you? I can't complain. You're going to tell us about coverage rate overexpected, which, as I understand it, is a is a way you're trying to link college athleticism metrics, uh, combine available statistics and whatnot. You're going to tell us about that to professional success in coverage. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Uh, first of all, talk a little bit about maybe your background, how you got to working at PFF, and uh, tell us a little bit about Haley. 
Yeah. So I grew up in a really big football family. We're all big Jets fans, um, not Ravens, but <laughs> we did, haven't had the most success, but it's fine. Um, but yeah, so I grew up in a big, like a big family of guys who just love football and watch football. And I just kind of got strung along for the ride and I loved every second of it. And I decided to major in statistics at school and got involved with the sports analytics club and just got lucky and got a nice PFF internship. And yeah, I love every second of it. And it's really fun. <laughs> Where are you going to school? You're going to school still? Yeah, I'll be a senior at Villanova University in the at fall. Villanova, okay. So Big East, uh, I, I went to Syracuse, so Big East rival back in my day. I don't. I have no idea if they have any rivalry still going on in anything, but, uh, <laughs> but anyway. Uh, uh, great to have you. And uh, you don't go to Cincinnati at all to work? You work from home? I work from home. We're actually heading out to Cincinnati tomorrow for a couple of days to okay. visit the office, but. Yeah. All right. You guys have fun then. I'll, uh, uh, I'll uh, be interested to hear if you come up with any new ideas from that. So anyway, coverage rate over expected. Uh, tell us about that. Yeah. So we had worked a lot with um, coverage data starting the summer, me and the other two research and development interns at PFF who are Judith Workang and Arjun Menon. And so we are given this big coverage data data set that basically from 2019 to 2021 gave a coverage grade to every player on every play who was playing in coverage. Um, so it was really cool to look at, and we developed something called perfectly covered plays, and that's kind of where every player on the defense, yeah. <laughs> okay, well, it just the, the one thing I want to mention, I'm sorry for raising my finger there, but the the uh, uh, a coverage grade is a, this is the raw plus two to minus two grade, or is there now even a more differentiation in that grade underneath? I think it's minus two to plus one. For every player minus two to plus one for coverage. Yeah, interesting. And PFF grades those themselves. Okay, fair enough. And, and so you're using that then, and yeah, so we're using that to. We made a metric called perfectly covered plays, where every player on the defense earns a grade of zero or better, and it's about thirty eight percent of plays from that uh, 2019 2021 that had perfectly covered plays, which was um kind of cool to see because it's not as high as I thought it was going to be, but again, it's not like a super low number where it's like insurmountable for an offense. Um, but from there, we kind of like branched off and you can kind of see which quarterbacks made the best decisions, which ones didn't based on if a coverage player was like the least graded player on the field or the most graded player. So definitely the other two interns looked a lot into quarterback decision. And then I kind of decided to almost like combine with combine this with the NFL combine and almost like how the combine reflects a player's eventual NFL coverage grade, um, which is kind of cool to see. All right. So we had Arjun and Judah on to talk about uh, quarterback decision-making and their metric for that just recently. So this is great that we're having the other side of this. Uh, so appreciate hearing it. Uh, so, so tell us about the combine metrics that you're choosing to reflect coverage ability. Yeah. So the combine measures a bunch of like player measurements, like height, weight, arm span, and also the drills, like the 40 and the cone drill, vertical, stuff like that. Um, and obviously players that did not participate in the combine or only had like one value filled in, they, we, they weren't included in the data set because there was too many missing values. And we performed an, um, a thing called K&N imputation, like K nearest neighbors. So to impute the missing values. So let's say um, one player was missing a vertical. And he had 40, he had a cone drill, he had almost every other measurement in there. So the players that had similar measurements and similar results from other drills, um, and then also had that vertical in there, 
what the value that was imputed for the missing player was a similar value towards that. So it's a really good way to impute a value that's like almost as accurate as possible, given we have a lot of data from other players. Um, so that's how we kind of fix the missing values for it. And yeah. <laughs> what sort of uh, what sort of percentage of the players did you have the full set of values for already? So we trimmed the data set down to 165. And I think there was only 10 to 15 players that had every value filled in. I think there's 12 of them. Really? Wow. Yeah. So 12 measurements and drills. Yeah. Okay. And then a lot of imputing from that using nearest neighbor things. And that's done in a lot of data management applications uh, that we would use. They, you try and find customers that uh, you know have several criteria that are, that are like it. You don't always know all the sub-criteria. You take what you have and you try and pick the best uh, best sets. Okay. So now which uh, metrics turned out to be most important in terms of predicting pro coverage success? Um, the 40 was a big one, even though the flat, the, the fastest players, um, I had a, like a little chart in my article. Um, the fastest players mostly didn't come from like the first round, the second round and third round really had a good chunk of the fastest players. Um, the undrafted ones were obviously like the slowest, but 40 was a big one, especially cornerbacks, vertical and safeties also vertical and broad jump were the two main, like biggest factors in it. And linebackers were mostly made up of the um, like height, weight, just like body measurements um, for linebackers. Okay. So uh, not speed for linebackers, but height and weight were bigger coverage factors. Yeah. Height and weight for linebackers was the biggest. Wow. Okay. Would not have expected that. Um, and it kind of makes sense. I think that the 40 times in the middle rounds tend to be a little bit better. Obviously there are some great forties at the top of the draft and they usually always are, but there's also a number of extraordinarily raw, pure speed guys that get drafted in the middle rounds. Tariq Woolen from this year is a, is a guy who probably was in your data set and, and would have been an interesting, uh, uh, you probably would have been in that, in that group. He might've been going to the fourth round even. Okay. So you have, how how did you determine that these were the most important factors is the next thing? Yeah. So once we did the um, K nearest neighbors imputation and had a full data set of every value filled in for every player, um, we did principal component analysis, otherwise known as PCA, um, on it. So basically it will take – it will get the um, – it's hard to explain. But so it – a lot of the um, combined variables correlate really highly to each other. So like vertical and broad jump are like very, very similar. Um, so you don't want to have vertical and broad jump like weighted the same and weighted the same as the other measurements and drills in your data set for your eventual model. So you want to almost reduce that down to a couple of principal components and the principal components will take into consideration all of the 12 to 10, 10 to 12 measurements um, but it'll assign like a weight to each of them, which kind of makes it like a better representation and reduces the multicollinearity of the data. Um, so eventually in our regression, we used two, the first two principal components, which captured a percent of the variance. I think it was around maybe 70% of the variance of the data set mm -hmm. um, and along with position. Okay. So the example I like to use for principal component analysis is for baseball. And to say that if you're trying to predict the number of home runs that somebody will hit, 
you might look at position, salary, and most common batting order position, say example. But if you look at those and you find that the number four hitter hits twice as many home runs and your highest paid player hits twice as many home runs and your first baseman hits twice as many home runs, you're actually capturing the same information. So what the principal component analysis is trying to do is trying to divide out what is common information at the collinearity of the, of the data there and try and select only the pieces that provide the best non-overlapping data from that set of, of M variables you have. It picks the N that you want um, you know, in math terms. Exactly. In my article, I had a correlation, ma- correlation matrix of all the combined variables and how much they correlated to each other. So that was kind of cool to see um, like visually. All right. Well, very cool. Uh, so, so you got principal component analysis, and that's giving you the the most important variables. But it's got to wait for everything. That's that's how it's representing that. And then, what do you do? How, what's the output look like from that? Yeah. So the output was the principal components that you can put into a linear regression formula. Um, so basically, it turned out that the best regression um, that where all the values were significant and everything. Um, had the first two principal components along with the position of the player. So linebacker, cornerback, and safety um, combined with that. And then from there, you can run predictions and get um, each player's predicted coverage rate um, in the NFL based on their combine data. Okay. So let's let's talk about uh, any t- anytime you can bring this back to a Ravens explanation, that'd be good, but we may not be quite there yet. Are there other things about the methodology that you want to talk about before we talk about maybe some individual results? I think that's about it, yeah. Then let's talk some individual results for the for the Ravens, for the league, however you want to present it. Yeah, awesome. So in my slides, I don't know if you want to um, share Oh, that. sure. Yeah, let me bring those up. Um, you have to actually share your screen, I think. And okay. then I will bring it up here. As soon as you do, I can add it. I could also do it, actually, if you're having trouble. And then we can I can move the slides for you, but better if... Better if you do it on your screen. There you go. Okay. There you go. Perfect. Awesome. So explain the methodology. Um, Oh, just again. And um, so the coverage rate over expected was um, the actual coverage rate of the player from 2019 to 21. And you subtract the predicted coverage rate from that. So you Mm -hmm. get the coverage rate over expected. Um, So we get a top 15 from this um, and you kind of see like a trio of current Seahawks, which are John Reed, even though he was drafted by Houston, um, he's now on the Seahawks. And you also see Marquise Blair and Ugo Amadi um, in the top six, which is kind of insane. So it means like that Seattle either and um, drafted some of the least athletic people from the combine based on their, um, data from the or yeah drafted the least athletic people from the combine but again did turn them into very great coverage players um which is awesome to see and you can also see that the draft round like you see a lot of two three four so there is a lot of value in the mid rounds so maybe you can find those players that maybe didn't have the best combine but did perform really well in college. And if you really think you can transform them into a really great coverage player, then go ahead and pick them. You might get great value there. All right. So what we see out of Seattle, maybe I see a couple of the Las Vegas names on the list as well, uh, is let me just parrot back what I think I heard you say. 
Seattle has proven themselves to be well above average in terms of their film analysis relative to how they use metrics in making their selections, meaning they're taking people who the metrics would have said they don't really look that great, but, the, but, their, but their tape in the way Seattle analyzes it is really good. Or possibly number two is they, they, they're figuring out how to draft players who have traits that they can then bring into their building, mold with their own coaching into better coverage players than they were in college. Yeah, I think it's more of the second one. Something that I really wanted to look into was getting like college stats instead of just like combine and pro day stats and kind of seeing how that compares to their NFL coverage rates um, just compared, like just instead of using the combine. Okay, so you, you you would have some players on this list who were maybe held back in their own system in terms of their uh, didn't have the greatest coaching, didn't have the greatest system fit for themselves, who who didn't have necessarily great college um, results. Now, this is still relative to their athleticism metrics. It doesn't have anything to do with their college play. Yeah. Okay. All right, I have to stop myself there. <laughs> but the biggest player that does jump out on this list to me is Trayvon Warrig from the Raiders. You'll see in a second that the Raiders did have the lowest um, coverage rate over expected like mean value because they had like four or five players in the bottom 15. So the Nate Hobbs and Trayvon Warrig were like pretty much canceled out by those really like not great players. Um, but yeah, Morig, we're looking into more of stats from 2006 on and even just using um, like percent pass breakups, percent target, and Morig's like really showing up towards the top of this list and every value we've really computed so far. So he's a name to look out for in terms of like being a statistician's best friend. Now he, he was a very highly touted safety when he came out. Uh, I don't I don't know if he actually went in the first round, but he was he was slated a lot of people thought he would. And he might have gone in the second round. Yeah, he went in the second, pretty early in the second. Okay. All right. Uh, great. So, uh, uh, you know, the, 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 the kind of the Ravens equivalent to some of this would have been a player like Orlando Brown, a tackle who terrible, disastrous combine, just had terrible metrics that would have said he'd been a terrible right tackle by a similar system to evaluate metrics, but he's turned out to be pretty good. Exactly. And we can get into the Ravens players that were on this list, um, right now. So there were three of them out of the 165 players total. It's not as many as other teams. Like the Raiders had, I want to say, as high as seven or eight players um, on this list or like from the combine. So in order to meet the requirements to be on this list, like one, you had to have um, performed in the NFL combine or a pro day with like adjusted values. Um, And you also needed to have at least 25 snaps per season over the past three seasons. So if you were drafted in 2021, you needed – 25 snaps last season or if you were drafted in 2019 you needed 75 snaps over the past three seasons um so there were only three ravens that made this list were um geno stone patrick queen and malik harrison and they were basically above average but like nothing stood out as far as a coverage rate over expected um geno stone was the highest and then patrick queen and harrison were towards the middle but they were all in the top half but nothing like extreme like they performed over their combine Okay. Uh, now, just to be clear, a veteran player like Marlon Humphrey, since he was drafted a while ago, is he still in this group or not? No, this is only p- from players drafted um, 2019 and on. Okay. So I have to I have to think of 
who the Ravens have that's even in that group. They've got kind of a veteran corner group and a, and a fairly veteran safety group. So Chuck Clark's not in the group, for example. And um, Deshaun Elliott is probably not in the group because he didn't didn't have enough snaps at least one of the years. Do you remember if he was in the group or not? Uh, these are the only Ravens on the list. So, yeah. They're the only, these there. are the only three, period, that met the, made the criterion. Exactly, yeah. Oh, uh, Okay. Okay, so all three of the Ravens were a little bit above average to a lot above average in Geno Stone's case. Uh, interesting. Okay, yeah. so is there more that you can tell us about Geno Stone uh, in particular than Queen and Harrison? Yeah, exactly. Um, so Geno Stone actually had the highest predicted coverage rates out of all safeties. So even though he's a seventh-round pick, he had the best combine in terms of a, like predicting an NFL coverage rate out of every safety on the list, which is like very impressive. And they might've really gotten great value for him in the seventh round. Uh, it seems shocking. Um, I, I know that PFF loved uh, Geno Stone. I don't remember how much you remember him. He was the 53rd best player in the PFF draft guide that year. So they had him, had him going in you know, the second round or something, but, but uh, the Ra- he, he lasted a long time. Finally, the Ravens had a pick in, in round seven, they got him. Uh, I'm, I'm, fascinated by the notion that his combine metrics predicted him to be the best coverage player, the best coverage safety of that draft. Was it of that draft or of the three-year period? Of the three-year period, yeah. Holy mackerel. That's yeah. a lot of safeties getting drafted in, in that period. That's So he's, he's ahead of Morig, for example. Uh, in terms of, yeah, so Morig actually had the second lowest predicted coverage rate for all safeties over the three years. And he turned out to have the highest actual coverage rate. Can, can you tell us where Harrison would be this year? Did you happen to look at the 22 draft yet in terms of who, who isn't, doesn't project well? I know Ravens fans would be really interested in hearing that. I did not look into that yet. I could look into that and uh, let you know. It, what, what I'd like you to do is I'll, I'll uh, promo this. And when, when you do hit me up with the, uh, here's Harrison this year was a, you know, whatever did, did not have a good 40 times. So it'll be interesting to see, but he's probably a candidate to beat his expectation. Um, okay. Uh, now, one of the things that will surprise a lot of people is that, that Patrick Queen is in the middle of this list. And Malik Harrison is in the middle of this list. It certainly surprises me. Is that more a function of they didn't have a particularly high predicted coverage grade, grade or that their actual was pretty good? Um, so they were basically average in both of them. Um, so they had fairly average predicted coverage rates, meaning they had a fairly average combine values that would contribute to a coverage rate in the NFL. Um, and then they followed it up by like beating their predicted coverage rate just by like a little less than a percent for each of them um, to have like a better actual coverage rate. But again, it wasn't anything like outstanding. Like a lot of other linebackers have ended up having higher coverage rates than them in the NFL. Right. And what you really want is the Geno Stone situation. You want a guy who has an enormous predicted coverage rate and then actually does even better than that. Exactly. That's, that's the really good thing you want. Okay. So with Queen and Harrison, the, the question I have for you is that PFF among others and myself included have destroyed Queen and Harrison for their coverage ability at the NFL level. I mean, it's it's been they've been horrible. So, how does coverage rate, which is as I understand it, just a percentage of plays on which you get a zero or positive score, right? Yep. Okay. How does that compare to like PFF grades for this kind of thing? Is there a 
Is it like a frequency and severity model where they, when they have a bad play, it's a really bad play? Um, I mean, it does go from negative two to one. So a really bad play is worth a lot more than a really good play. Mm-hmm. So, but a coverage rate and like an average coverage grade over there, like all their snaps is a fairly similar ranking and number. I, I I don't have it up in front of me in terms of what PFF's grade was for Patrick Queen, but I don't think his coverage grade was very good last year. I might be yeah. wrong, but maybe maybe uh, maybe it was better than I'm thinking. I, it was better than the previous year uh, when he was awful, but that I would think that that would still be reflected in some of these numbers. So interesting. So uh, I will have to compare this uh, to, to what's gone on here. Are there other things you'd like to like to take us through in terms of, of the study? Yeah, I have um like a bunch of defenses specific, like not individual players, just like certain defenses um, and how the Ravens did with that too. So first of all, like I computed three separate like metrics for each team. So the first one was, um, basically a mean coverage rate over expected. So taking those values and just um, averaging it through the players um, and the Seahawks were the top. And it really makes sense because they had mm-hmm. the three players in the top six. And again, the Raiders, I, as I said earlier, they had the lowest, even though they had two in the top 10, um, but they also had like four or five in the bottom 15. So it really like, drew them down and it didn't help that their ex cornerback Damon Arnett was by far the lowest had like a negative 15 mean coverage rate over expected. Um, and he's not on the team anymore, but he really dragged them down. That's the, uh, that's one of the picks that helped the Ravens to get Patrick queen um, is he was picked uh, ahead of them by the crazy Raiders drafting under Mayock. <laughs> Definitely. Mayock. Yeah. Uh, oh, all right. So uh Looking at these team ratings, we're still constrained by the fact that if the player didn't, if the team didn't have a lot of draft picks during this three-year period, you're working off just a couple of players. So in in the Ravens' case, it would be only Stone, Harrison, and uh, Queen, from what you've told us earlier. Yeah, and the Ravens didn't like they ranked towards the middle for the coverage rate over expected average and their actual coverage rates. Um, mm-hmm. Again, like because the three players weren't like didn't have the highest coverage rate over expected. And they also didn't have the highest average coverage rates out of like all of these players. Um, but they did draft the sixth most athletic players um, in the draft. Okay. So greatly that's... aided by Geno Stone's like first overall for the safeties. I, I've, I've got to understand what is it about Geno Stone? What metric specifically is it that makes him look so good in this? Do, do you to happen go. to know? I'll, I'll have to go back to his numbers in his draft, but yeah, whatever the principal component, um, like his values that contributed to that really set him high. Okay. Uh, I, again, that's something I'd love to hear, uh, have a little back and forth with you on, on Twitter when the when the article comes out, or sorry, when the, uh, when the piece comes out here. Um, and the average coverage rate I'm looking at the bottom of this slide, is that the average for the whole team or again, just the three players? Uh, this is um, for the three players on the team. Okay. Do you have anything for the whole team? Uh, for the whole team, I computed. So we went back to 2006 and we had a little like trouble with the data because we didn't have values for every player on every play. So it was basically just the players that were targeted. And when you're targeted, really, like it could mean like you made the biggest mistake on the defense. So maybe players that were targeted more kind of like 
were like the worst player on the defense. So if you weren't targeted a lot, that means you like kind of were locking down receivers. So a coverage rate in terms of that may not be the best way to almost like encompass all of this. But um, since 2006, I don't know if I have. Yeah. Um, So right now we're working on combining a bunch of metrics into one and almost giving them like an overall value. So like a coverage rate when they're earning a coverage grade, how often they're targeted, miss a tackle, interception, like average coverage grades, stuff like that um, is kind of cool to look at. So the Ravens cornerbacks were actually sixth in terms of a coverage rate. Their safeties were ninth, but their linebackers were 24th. Um, that so. makes that makes more sense in terms of what I'm what I'm thinking about here. And that's that's over the three year period as well. No, this is actually since 2006. Since 2006. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, that, that's includes some pretty damn good linebackers in that period of time. Uh, interesting. Does it include both outside and inside linebackers or just insides? Uh, only when they're playing coverage. Only when they're playing coverage. So you still have a fair number of good outside linebacker snaps from players like Tyus Bowser, who were in coverage, and, and Adelis Thomas, if you go way back. Uh, who would have been in coverage. That's interesting to me. I would like to see some breakdown of players. If if you can, if you don't mind, could you send me all the Ravens uh, linebackers for that period in terms of what their coverage rate was? Yeah, definitely. Okay. All right. Outstanding. This is fabulous stuff. Just entertaining stuff. I, I, I so much love talking to you, PFF guys, about the, about the things you're working on. Uh, what else do you have to tell us? Yeah, so there were actually two like notable Ravens in this initial top 10. Um, I did top 10 by position, um, but so far in this initial top 10, that's kind of not finalized yet because we're working on weighting each um, feature so far, but just a raw top 10. Um, Marcus Williams and Earl Thomas are both um, top 10 in safeties, even though Marcus Williams has hasn't really played a snap for the Ravens yet, but mm-hmm. um, he's definitely like an amazing addition. And I would have loved the Jets to get him, but he'll do amazing things on the Ravens. Um, All right. Yeah. So uh, Earl Thomas, again, this would be trying to improve the metric that you had before where you were not looking at not covered plays, correct? Yeah. Okay. So, so Earl Thomas, famously on the sideline was approached by somebody it might have been Levine or Geno Stone or one of the other safeties and said, Hey, I, you haven't made a play yet today. <laughs> he said, he responded with, Hey, I'm a free safety. It's a good thing when they're not throwing at me. And, and uh, you know, the heat maps that I've seen from PFF actually show that uh, th- there's a significant area that, that uh, quarterbacks are less likely to throw to around Earl Thomas. Oh, wow. And yeah. And so, Safeties do so, like from that period of 2019 to 2021, when we had the grades for every player and every play, safeties by far have the highest coverage rate, and like that averages around like 92 ish, um, because they're they have a lot of zero coverage grades. So like if the play didn't come near them, stuff like that. Okay, right. So it's it takes a it takes a really bad play for a for a safety to get a negative coverage grade by PFF, and so you have high good good coverage grades even though most of that is zeros and not necessarily positives exactly yeah all right okay fair enough um this is something i i I used to talk to neil about every once in a while and he he used to say that the thing he did not like about the system or the weakest point in the system was some of the cornerback coverage grades in particular where you weren't 
scoring a play where the player was not thrown at. So what you're doing with the with the other um, the new metric you're trying to create is to create something that tries to evaluate that. Nobody's going back and looking at more film, right? For those years from 18 and previously, and trying to uh, look at non non coverage plays. Sorry, non thrown at plays to find out how players should be graded in the way they have been from 19 through 21. Exactly. It's a really cool way that they're grading players and it gives like a really accurate coverage rate for um, players in coverage. The, the new, the new way does, but nobody's exactly, going back yeah. on the, on the film from 18 and prior because PFF's done some backward looking projects in terms of going back to 2006 and adding that year was one they did. I know that was a lot of effort. Uh, I, I, I do it sometimes myself and it's a lot of effort to even go back through one more Ravens season, but can't imagine for, you know, for the whole league, how much more that would be other than to say 32 times as much, but you're, you're the, the, whatever you're creating for any previous years is just going to be an approximation of coverage as opposed to what's done today, where it's a, where it's a, every play, every player gets a grade. Yeah, exactly. Okay. All right. Outstanding. Uh, great stuff, Haley. What else you got for us? Uh, that's pretty much it. There's these um, two other uh, charts where just basically like um, a standardized value of the predicted coverage rate and their actual coverage rate um, for the 2019 to 21. So again, it only takes into consideration those three Ravens players. Um, but they showed up again, like they drafted the sixth most athletic, but they were 15th in their average coverage rate. Um, again, that makes sense from the players predicted in actuals. Okay, fair enough. I mean, you'd expect them then, I guess, to have average coverage rates that were significantly higher than the 15th best if they drafted the sixth most athletic, right? If you're using A to predict B. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, understandable. Uh, interesting, very interesting, very in-depth uh, topic here, Haley. Appreciate you coming on to do it. Tell folks where they can talk football with you if they want to. I think I unshared the screen. That's <laughs> good. Go. Okay. Um, yeah. So I'm just a PFF intern right now. I'll be in Cincinnati the next couple of days at the office. Um, but right now I'm just, you can follow me on Twitter at Haley E English 17. <laughs> and um, yeah. <laughs> two, two E's in the middle. There you go. Uh, thanks so much for coming on Haley. Uh, other folks out there, if you'd like to do a PFF, I uh, sorry, hit PFF. If you'd like to do a film study short, uh, come out with any topic that you're passionate about Ravens related, obviously 25, 30 minutes, like, like Haley's topic here that we can get into in some depth. That's ideal. It does not have to be analytic in nature. It could be a, uh, uh, you know, comparing receivers. It could be historical. It could be whatever you like. Something you're passionate about, though. I'd love to hear from you. DMs are always open on Twitter, and I'll get back to you very quickly. Haley, thanks again for coming on. You're a wonderful guest. Thank you. (laughs) We'll talk to you next time on Film Study. Thank you so much.
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.